0: You're listening to The Dice Men Cometh, broadcast live to air on EDGE Radio 99.3 FM and proudly sponsored by LFG Australia. The Dicemen Cometh! All right, welcome everybody to episode 307 of The Dice Men Cometh, which is currently Australia's laziest podcast, coming from our respective living rooms. This week, I am unfortunately or possibly fortunately joined by the same person that I've been joined by week after week after week. And that is the one and only Leon Cannon. How are you over there in your lounge room?
1: You don't have to be like that. It's been fortnight after fortnight, I think you'll find. Not week after week at the moment. And I'm also, I'm in my office, thank you very much, because I'm a grown up and professional. You should know that. However, I do very much agree with the laziness because I am sitting here with my little Nana Crochet Blanket. That's my mother quite happily made for me because she's oh, also no. bought out of her scorn, as we all are. So. But yes, no, I've been doing my work. But f- crazily enough, the last two days, don't go tell them the government, I've gone to some places and played some physical games with some people.
0: Oh, my goodness. Well, that could be a scary reality that we'll have to face, yes, but not true. yet. Yeah. So, look, before we get to that kind of conversation, we need to introduce our special guest. For this week, because we don't have one, we actually have two. And the reason that I introduced the Dice Men Cometh as Australia's laziest board game podcast is we're joined by possibly the hardest working board game people in Australia. Now we're pretty proud at the Dice Men Cometh of doing three hundred and seven episodes in about seven and a half
1: years, Leon. Is that fair to say? Give or take, it's something around that number. We've kind of stopped paying attention to be completely honest.
0: So there was a bit of a, a seismic shift on the 11th of February in 2018. Mm. I've done my research here because that was the very day that Meeple University dared to join the Dice Men Cometh in board game review ranks mm. and then very quickly, in almost no time, have done five hundred and nine videos i
1: know they came in riding our coattails and then about two days later just ripped the whole coat off us and have been doing that ever since we have not had a coat
0: in like two years and it's starting to get chilly so i think we should at least give meeple university a little bit of a right to reply in this little war of ours Mm. so i'm very proud to welcome stella and tarrant from meeple university hello hello
2: hello hello Hello. How is everybody?
0: We're very jealous, thank you. How are you?
2: Ah, oh, we're jealous too. Three hundred and seven. <laughs> wow, at five years.
0: Yeah, I know. It's um it's pretty lazy when you compare it to the kind of thing that you guys have done. But look, we are gonna go to a little break before we interrogate you and find out all your tricks of the trade. Uh oh. But I'm just giving you a bit of warning. If you say it involves hard work and dedication, we're not gonna listen. Okay. No, no We want the shortcuts, is... we want the tricks. Like the control V, just cut and paste, whatever it is that gives us more content with less effort, that's all we're after. So So look, sit down, relax. We are going to be uh, interrogating Tarrant and Stella in a minute. But before we get to that, we better thank our long-term sponsors, LFG, for their continuing COVID sponsorship. Um, Make sure if you're after their games, go to lfg-oz.com.au for all your board gaming goodness. And we will be back. After this something, Ugh, I'm so bored. This self-isolation is getting me down. I've even had to read every single rule book for every game that I own, even though I've got no one to play them with. And I'm possibly going to go down the Mark Rabbit hole of playing solo games. Is this what I've become? Ugh, at least I'll uh, get off my ass and have a bit of a walk around. At least walk to the computer, I guess. Is there anything on the internet anymore? Wait a minute, what's this? TheCampaignerMagazine.com? You're telling me there's an Australian tabletop magazine that I can look at from the comfort of my own computer or can get delivered to me via the wonders of Post? The Campaigner Magazine is designed right here in Australia by Matt Lee it is currently up to issue 31 although you might want to check out issue 25 for a beautiful cover photo and this magazine features everything that you could ever possibly want to know about board gaming role-playing insider news and gossip interviews with designers publishers and it's a really fascinating magazine to see what's going on in the world of tabletop gaming so if you like the sound of that And if you're listening to our podcast, you probably do, make sure you jump onto thecampaignermagazine.com and check it all out. You can even get their back-ordered issues delivered straight to your computer or your postbox again. Now, if you are also a budding designer who's got the next great Kickstarter, the campaigner magazine allows you to advertise in there as well. Their prices are really, really low. And the Diceman Cometh also published uh, some advertising in there as well, which is great. So, look jump onto thecampaignermagazine.com. It'll definitely alleviate any boredom you are feeling by being stuck in home. And you're guaranteed to have hours and hours of fun. And just remember, 31 issues, but the issue 25 is my personal favourite. Back to the show.
1: Righto, that was whatever I put in the edits on possibly Edge Radio 99.3 FM, but with definitely the Dice Men cometh broadly. Broadly? That's not even a thing. Oh, with the COVID Proud. diet, I'm very much broadly. Yes, well, that's true. Proudly, that's the word. Uh, brought to you by our good friends at LFG Australia, LFG hyphen Oz. Go there, get all the stuff, buy all their games. It's fun. You can send us some while you're at it, because we're starting to get bored too. However, there's some people that are luckily enough to be in the same household, so they can just play stuff together all the time. Like
0: you know, thinking they're all special and whatnot. So we're going to interview them right now, aren't we, Garth? We sure are. So. Hi, Stella. Hi, Tarrant. How are you?
2: Hello, guys. Leon, how are you? We are good. Yes, we're good too. <laughs> so, <laughs> I have a, a burning question in my mind.
0: Okay. There's a, probably a cream for that.
2: <laughs> lazy podcast. Why lazy? Why would you consider lazy? You would not be here with us otherwise.
0: Well, Well, the reason you're here is so that Leon and I don't have to do all the talking. So, surely that's laziness. No. We're relying on, the, on two experts to do our job for us. But no, look, I mean, we created this podcast and, and obviously Mark and Trent were the, the founding fathers of, of this years and years ago. But we did this just to have a bit of fun, to talk board gaming, to hopefully down the track, get some free games and, and maybe sound <laughs> like we have a little bit of authority every so often. And we've managed to do that over, over a very long seven odd years. And we even <laughs> roped in this young fellow Leon. Yeah, and we're also very aware
1: that if we actually put in a little bit more effort on social media and a hell of a lot more effort in creating videos on YouTube, we'd probably be in a much, much, much more prominent place than we are right now. But we can't be asked doing that. So we just like to talk. That's when we get people like yourselves in because you do all the work and we get you in for the interview and just,
0: you know, write off your success. Exactly. So, look, starting with that, because obviously... You know, there might be a, a Dice Man Cometh listener out there who hasn't subscribed to YouTube or hasn't checked out meepleuniversity.com or the Dice Tower Network or all those kind of things. But, but who are you and what are you, first of all? And why are you in our houses?
2: <laughs> well, um, you guys, um, I have to uh, say something about what you say. You guys are impressive. You've been doing podcasts. I have no idea where to start with podcasts. I do. and I know there's a lot of editing involved with the voice and sound like I'm bad at that I don't know how, what I do audacity, what well I've heard of it but you know that's just one of those uh, voice recording thingy with Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I so
3: know. yes
2: it's a good way, so you probably you've been working hard so you were lying when you say you're lazy mm. well <laughs> agree to disagree, now Taryn I'll let Taryn talk <laughs>
3: uh, yes so I'm Tarrant and she's Stella And we're Maple University. Uh, we started and are primarily a YouTube channel uh, for board game content. How to play? We, we started with how to play. That was uh, the bread and butter for the first, really the first year. Um, we
2: weren't serious about doing anything. It was just like, okay, we're just going to do these board games, how to play. So if we forget, we'll remember by watching us explaining to ourselves.
0: So yeah, that's what I wanted to start with. I wanted to find out like I can vouch for myself and Leon and Mark and definitely Trent that we're all a bit cuckoo to want to create board game content. Like that's not something that, that most people decide to do, Mm -hmm. let alone go, we might do it. And in two and a half years later have basically 600 videos under our belt. Mm -hmm. That, that involves a pretty serious level of commitment. Don't you think?
3: It certainly does. Uh, it, uh, on i mean stella's doing it essentially full time
2: mm-hmm. yes um
3: and i'm doing it in off time from work so um i'll do video i'll do a video for a day each weekend yeah And can't stella, do it otherwise and stella will edit it between uh, between weekends as well as doing uh, her content as well so yes uh definitely big time commitment yeah
2: Absolutely. definitely
0: so what was what was changed what made you play go from playing board games to recording playthroughs, how to plays? What was what was the step? It's got to be one of those giant steps of, of actually just deciding to make it work.
3: Uh, you probably know better than I do because- I
2: kind of forced Tarrant.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you know the thought process. Yes. Kind of that <laughs> I'm just like, sure, I'll go. along.
2: <laughs> well, it's more like, hey, Tarrant, you're actually really good at explaining board games you capture it well, you're doing it in the right flow, why don't you make videos so that we'll remember next time when we forget, as I told you before. Yep. And that's what happened. And then Taryn just like resisted and we were just like at the end, here we are on my old mobile phone, no microphone, no light, no tripod, with shaky hand, filming Happy Peaks, how to play.
0: <laughs> we all going to start somewhere.
2: Yeah.
3: Actually... It sort of started um, a week or so before that we were messing around. I narrated a satirical um, how to play Dominion using just the base cards because you can buy the little pack that only has the gold, silver, uh, the provinces and has none of the kingdom cards. And I just sort of did this eight minutes off the cuff of how to play base Dominion with none of the interesting expansion cards. (laughs) And it was very silly and it ended with me realizing that it was uh, not a playable game and just
2: telling the camera to cut off
3: i don't know if we still have
2: that i don't remember where um, it is now not on nipple university
3: and i think the the idea to do proper videos um sort of followed after that
2: yeah i was like taren let's do it no let's do it no Can I release it no i'll release that anyway <laughs>
0: So basically what we need to do is talk to Stella because basically Tarren's just going to say whatever he's told to. Is that right? Is uh, that how this works? Basically,
2: yes. spend time <laughs> with me and I'll see what your talents, your 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 talent is, and then yep. I'll tell you and then force you to do it.
0: And just exploit <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> so on that note, you know, how are the roles in in Meeple University divided? is it a you know, a 50-50 split in, you know, I'll do the writing, you do the piece to camera. I'll do the editing. How, how does it work? How does, how does the creation of a video go from, Oh, I've received a review mm-hmm. copy of the game to mm-hmm. spitting out you know, a playthrough or a short and sweet or a preview or a whatever you, you decide to make of it.
2: That would be me. I work 10 plus hours a day. Yep. So I would wake up at six o'clock trying to catch the end of the U S time. Um, and not UK, Not UK. UK, We mostly mostly,
3: miss UK. Yeah,
2: mostly miss UK, but at least got the US time, which is our biggest viewers and biggest clients, I think, in in the US. And I would then talk to publishers if somebody's, like, media email or whatever, or somebody would email us, or, you know, I'll look at somebody's needing something done. I would say, hey, we can do this. Um, So that's basically my job and social media, scheduling through different, like, would sweep is yep. the main thing and do all that. And then Taryn will just walk home and here's a rule book study. We're going to do this video. That's it. Sure.
3: <laughs> well,
2: not always though, but there are times where, Hey, there's this one. What do you think is good? What do you think? And then, or I'll ask Taryn to, Hey, this is the rule book. Can you please tell me how long is the, how to play, how complex and then I'll quote to the publisher. <laughs> <Yes>.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Stella is very much the, um, does the business side, the social media side. Um, we do, we very much play to our strengths, I think, because a lot of the stuff that yes. Stella does, I, I think some of the editing I could do, but most of the rest really doesn't suit me. But I'm quick with rules. Oh,
2: yes. I'm oh, my God. Yeah, it was dec- like five times faster than me reading <laughs> and learning.
3: Yeah. I'm decent with um, figuring out how to teach it. Yep. Um, so I'll do that. Um, and then we'll play it together. That's the main collaborative bit. Uh, and where we script it, I've sort of got a bit of a, a technical writing mind, so that, that's in my area as well. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, you, you script, our um, house to play is not scripted, playthrough is not scripted, yeah. but the, the short video scripted, Taryn does the rules overview, I do the stellar short and sweet, that's, that's all me basically. Yeah. Like maybe 90% me, there are yeah. times where I'm stuck Taryn what should I do? How do I make this interesting? It's mm-hmm. not always easy.
3: Yeah. And you can see the difference in voice as well. Um, you yeah, the short and sweet is a very conversational, very um, yeah, more personality-driven video. And yep. the what to expect, which are my area, are essentially a, a brief technical manual on the game. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, that's really our two styles as well.
2: And, you know, people might choose one over the other. Mm-hmm. They have the options.
0: Well, yeah, there's, there's 595 options, so I don't think people <laughs> will
2: be bored. I was so impressed when you mentioned that. Like, really? You knew when we joined YouTube and you knew how many videos. When you mentioned that, I was looking at my phone. Really? How many? Is it that many videos? I forgot. It is. Wow. Yeah,
0: I must, I, I put a, Put my hand on my heart. I haven't watched them all.
2: You're I'm impressive. Yeah. Neither are I. <laughs> no, that, yeah, that why.
1: <laughs> That's all right. I haven't listened to some of these episodes and I've edited most of them, so it's fine. <laughs> Yeah. Most people tend to not notice, so it's all right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> There's a the difference, anything and watching.
0: Absolutely. True. So, look, Taryn, I wanted to ask you, because out of the, the, the Dice Men, sort of a lot of the time, Mark will run to the hills whenever a rules explanation needs to happen. He's played a million games over his 500 years of life, but he will not teach a game unless he's played it 100 times, and practiced and practiced a rules explanation. So quite often it falls on on me, which yeah. I'm comfortable doing is absolutely fine, but there is a skill to it. So just by, by doing the amount of videos that you've done, what have you found has really helped you to hone your, your teaching ability? Have you got a, a routine down pat or is it just something you read the rule book and let the, uh, the natural juices flow?
3: I think historically, early on, when I was getting into hobby gaming, um, I would put a lot of preparation into a teach. I would often write notes beforehand because I didn't have that many games at the time. Um, So I could sort of try a few things out and get the order. And then when I met Stella, whose collection was 10 times the size of mine, (laughs) I had to sort of um, narrow it down a bit. But there was always a bit of preparation and a bit of trying to figure out what would be... What, are, what is the order that you can introduce things so they make sense without having to constantly say, I'll come back to that later, I'll come back to that later, yep. um, unless it makes sense to do that. But the, I think the preparation is the key. It's the most important part. And then having a style of starting high level, drilling down, and then going sort of chronologically through the game yep. is the way I usually do it.
2: At the start, we don't always agree. There are times where, nah, I want like this, but now I just leave it up to you. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, we discussed this, remember, a few like brass, like, oh, you want to get into the map? No, overview first. But now you're doing it overview, like all the time. Yeah,
3: generally speaking. And I think the other thing I've found is uh, because sometimes we're doing several games a week, um, often. I'm reading the rules and then immediately coming out and we're playing it as a two-player test through. And, you know, those, they're not very effective teachers and they're not very effective practices either. Yeah. Um, I've definitely found that if I read it and try to teach it right away, it's just a stumble through and it's, yeah. it's no good. If you, and that's why, you know, anytime yeah. you see someone who's reading the rules and hoping to teach you the game right away, um, unless they're unless they've done that a lot, it's it's likely to be a bit of a clunky ride. Oh, look, that's that's
0: got to be one of the you know, worst things to see at a gaming convention when you see this this table full of people sit down with a new box and you see the shrink get taken off, and then there's 45 minutes of just anguish. People <laughs> sitting there not having any fun whatsoever, and when you've got four or five people learning a game for the first time, it's it's hell. If no one's done the research and and ideally played it before or at least read the rules.
3: Yeah. You've got one person reading the rules and reading out the words, but not teaching the game.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've just done two weeks of training in in a job at the moment. And basically the trainer's job was to read verbatim the slides on the PowerPoint. So, yeah, that was, that was pretty hellish. So, yeah, I can completely agree with you on that one. Leon, have you got any questions to ask these fine people or are you having a snooze over there?
1: No, I'm sitting here listening, enjoying writing down editing points, as I do. <laughs> no, um, what, what I wanted to ask was, like, since obviously you both have a passion for gaming and stuff, but when it comes to the actual the playing of games, is there any specific games that you've, like, really, really disagree with on before i know you mentioned one before with brass but is there anyone's like really disagreed with on how to teach it on how to teach it or just in general just like i think we should cover this it's interesting as opposed to someone just going like nah this is going to go away it's garbage who cares um
3: we will tend not to we'll tend not to choose games on whether you know we think we'll they'll do well or not i think the ones that the ones we don't, we haven't done any war games.
2: That's correct, um, yeah. It's not because a
3: style that we play.
2: A lot. It's not we've,
3: a style that we're familiar with.
2: We've done like bits and pieces but not full-on war games. Yeah. Sure.
3: And often if a, one that we have done videos on sort of um, arena skirmish type games. We've done a few videos on those. Mm-hmm. Um But if the, sometimes uh, they can have a lot of rules and sometimes uh, if the there'll be more effort than than they'll be worth, I think. Okay. Because there are a
0: lot of games, especially like that, where there is, these are the rules, but then every race or every character or everything breaks those rules. So in a teach, that's a damn hard thing to convey accurately because you can say these are the base mechanics, but everything breaks the game. Even something as simple like, I guess, Cosmic Encounter where the game mechanically is super-duper easy, but you start playing with those red aliens and it all just throws, you know, yes. you just throw it on the floor, you start again, it's a whole new game entirely. That's right.
2: Mm-hmm. Between me and Taryn, we usually have similar gaming t- uh, taste, except exactly. maybe the social deductions. I do more social deductions than you. I mean, I enjoy more. Mm-hmm. I used to go out to play werewolves sometimes when you'd rather not yeah. come, um, come around. So, yeah,
3: I would kind of, I'm not a great liar.
2: <laughs> I'm not a great liar as well. What are you talking about? What are you trying to say? <laughs> oh, this,
3: this is what we were looking for. There we
1: go. <laughs> yes, we thought if we systematically get on everybody else in Australia that's doing better than us in media, that we could somehow get some infighting going, and we might come out on top. <laughs> that's that's the little, subtle.
2: Little do you know that I'm actually the one that's gathering information from you. Ha ha. Oops. So
0: look, you know, a couple of a couple of quick questions here. I'll start with the big one: what game's been the hardest to teach? What game's been the hardest to make the video to teach well?
2: Do you know Cult Express?
0: Yep. Yes.
2: We didn't agree on that, by the way, <laughs> on the way we teach it, the order of it. We didn't agree on the order, and finally we compensate after half an hour arguing: this is not going anyway. <laughs> uh would you agree Taryn? that's i wouldn't say that's the most difficult one to teach but that would be the f- weirdest one
3: i found that one surprisingly difficult considering the number of times i've taught it in person actually yes. it was a while back and i don't specifically remember it but i re- i do recall that being a lot harder than i expected um
2: because the expectation of the people that we're playing that is a party game but then it's got a few more mechanics that's unfamiliar and you know just a little bit harder to teach probably doing a playthrough or do a first round of teach like playing and teach is probably better sometimes
1: yeah i think cold express is definitely one of those ones and especially on nearly every party game you say somebody to the rules and you just say listen give us one round it'll make perfect sense perfect i actually sense. played exactly i actually played um wavelength with some friends over the weekend, which is a very, very simple game. But sometimes yes. if you trip over a word or two explaining it, it's just going to be simple. Huh? Whereas yes. I, I literally just went, this is how a round works and just yes. showed them. And they just went, oh yeah, that's the easiest
0: game in the world. I agree. Look, so, I think, I think Leon's right in, in that. And that's where, you know, obviously you guys have, have found a lot of success in that rule books are arguably the biggest hurdle between a game being bought and a game being played because You buy a game and you go, oh, I've got a one-page rule book and it might not make sense. Or I've got a 50-page rule book and ain't nobody got time for that. And we're real gamers, in inverted commas, as opposed to gamers who might have played those staples that you buy in the supermarket and have gone into a game shop to try and test the waters and go a little bit deeper. Yeah, And it just immediately scares them off before they've had a chance to have any fun whatsoever. Yeah, I'm annoyed to say
1: that I've had many games in the past that I've bought either from a store or online, got them in my house and gone like, right, I've clearly got them here because I want to play them. And then I've started to read the rules or looked online for videos, not found good ones. And just my enthusiasm, if the rules are no good and the videos are no good, just nosedives. And I've even had games in the past that I've got into the house after buying them because I want to play them and then have sold them without ever playing them because I've just thought it's just too much compared to these other games that have made it very easy for
2: me. That's Greg. I actually just remembered root. <laughs> <laughs> we have we yeah. had to play video, and Taryn yeah. can probably share. We spent like what thirteen hours or something filming.
3: It was no. certain, it was certainly the longest uh, teach, and it was. I think it was systematic. Um, I think
2: there's I a know, lot there's of a, root.
3: There's a lot of terminology, and yeah, you know, it, it's that.
2: There's the six fact that it's yeah, it's got,
3: yeah, yeah, the, it's the, got the, that. It has that book that's basically written like a legal document that <laughs> you could take to any lawyer and they could answer any question for you, which is great once you know the game. But yeah, you can't learn it from that.
1: Just on that, curious Tarrant, have you seen the um uh, the the Batman Chronicles game? Have you seen the rule book for that?
3: Yes, I did read through that because we did a. We did a medium length video on that. That was, um, they made some interesting stylistic choices. <laughs> That's it's one way diplomatic. of putting it.
1: Another way of putting <laughs> it is it's a good game with one of the best themes in fictional history. Now, that rule book is just, it's atrocious. It's unbelievable in the way that it's set out.
3: Yeah. It was <laughs> long with an incredible number of unnecessary flowcharts.
1: Yes, it sounded <laughs> extremely complicated and then I played it and I went, oh, this isn't hard. You move Batman, <laughs> you punch Bane, everybody's happy. <laughs> Pretty much.
2: Yeah, it's um, it's one of those games like that and then there's another one, Roots I mentioned because it's a lot of asymmetric powers. So it makes yep. it more complicated to teach, to follow up. And the other one is Merchant's Curve. It's a really good game. It's not out yet. It was on kickstarter and there's like seven asymmetric power trying to achieve one goal it's not quite like root but it's like the goal is the same for everybody it's just like the way to achieve it is different so one character for example was with roll and run mechanics the other one is with puzzle mechanics or um the other one with what else yeah
3: there was a there was one who was trying to combine potions together there was one who was doing dice manipulation
2: yeah so it, had, it
3: has had a similar level of asymmetry yeah.
2: it is uh, and you and Karen happened to actually write the whole rulebook for that one
3: yeah mm. I, tr- I tried my so it's the only it's one I've done ages, but um, yeah, yeah. yeah tried my hand at rulebook writing um and yeah it, it is quite interesting we talk about rule books there and how things are laid out I went and I did my first draft and I sort of typed it up the way I would have taught it on a video. Um, And when I went back and looked at it and tried to edit it shorter, I realized how differently uh, the teaching language is versus the rule book language. I could basically cut every sentence in half because on the videos, I'm trying to slow things down. So you've got time to digest it. So there's actually a lot of unnecessary words, Mm. something like, pick this up and move it here you don't need to have pick this up in a rule book you just say move this here and so I, I was quite literally able to cut half the words out once I took it out of my speaking voice and put it into a technical writing voice
2: right that's a hard one to do because of that asymmetric powers but it's a fun one to do took you ages
0: it's yeah. also where you need really killer player aids so that the players around the table oh. hopefully have an idea of, of what each of those different powers are going to be, because otherwise you don't want to be spending a, a game like that referring to a rule book for two or three hours.
1: Yes, and as long as those player aids aren't double-sided because they are <laughs> deadly, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. So anyway... That was a lovely introduction to our good friends there at Meeple University. They're going to be sticking around for the rest of the show and we're going to be talking about a game that I had the pleasure of playing with my wife recently and our guests have also played. Garth, however, hasn't, but he's going to ask some questions because he just likes to ask things. I like the sound of my voice. You certainly do. So, after I cut in something into the edit, as I tend to do, we'll be right back with more of The Dice Men Cometh on Edge Radio 99.3 FM, brought to you by LFG Australia. Hey, this is Dan May. I'm the creative director at Starling Games and the creator of Polyhero Dice. And you're listening to the Dice Man Cometh. I've listened to the guys' ideas about creating their own games. One on a very long drive back from uh, BorderCon
0: was a uh, legacy game about wallpapering. Um, it's not bad, actually. There you go. That was someone with something uh, with the Dice Men Cometh on Edge Radio 99.3 FM potentially, but definitely on your podcast app of choice. We are joined by hopefully good friends of the show, Tarrant and Stella from Meeple University and, and I don't know, begrudgingly begrudged member of the show, Leon, who's <laughs> hopefully going to start with an excellent rules explanation because there's no pressure When you have Australia's leading rule explainers, on the show.
1: Well, when my partner in crime can't even say words good, it makes a (laughs) bit more pressure on me. And he also has my rule book for this certain game. So, yes, there is a little bit of Correction, I don't. It's somewhere, but I don't have it. (laughs) Oh, that makes it better then. (laughs) So... We are going to be talking about a game that is a co-op game that I played recently with my wife, and it's the second edition of Atlantis Rising. This is a game that takes about an hour to two hours to play. The age limit is supposedly 10 and up, which I think is probably about right. You can probably play with slightly younger. Uh, one to seven players, I think two, three, or four, like most co-op games. Is probably one to a seven, sweet spot. that's a warning. One to seven is... Yeah, I mean, you could probably play it solo because it's a co-op game, but Seven, Ooh, I don't know about
0: that. We'll get to that.
1: Yes, so um, it is the publishers is Elf Creek Games and it is designed by uh, Galen Cicel and art by this new edition is, would you believe it or not, Ian O'Toole's arch-rival and nemesis, the man he dislikes the most out of anyone in the world. <laughs> My, we may be putting Spoiler, words in his mouth. that's not true. Yes, we <laughs> may be putting words in his mouth. Uh, Vincent Dutra... And that is the, there you go, Ian, saying his name wrong yet again. So Atlantis Rising, what is the game? Well, it's a cooperative game where players must work together as a team in order to win, which, funnily enough, like most co-op games. You and your fellow players betray the leading citizens of Atlantis on the eve of its destruction. You will send your faithful followers out to various placements around the island to gather materials, resources and mystic energy to try and advance your Atlantean technology and mysterious ancient artefacts. You'll be using these resources and working together with everyone you can to try and open the cosmic gate in the centre of the island so you can get out all the citizens in time because Atlantis is sinking to the seas and if you don't get
0: your people out, it will be lost forever. Now, doesn't that sound like a game? It does, but my first and most important question is: Why is it not called Atlanta sinking?
3: I'm guessing um, hope that it rises.
0: <laughs> yes, you
1: win because if it
3: rises because the city itself
0: physically
1: may be sinking, but the spirits and the lives of the people are rising. Garth. Oh, you need a soundtrack behind it. It's a, it, it's, it's you a metaphor. It's one of those metaphors, th- or not? I don't know. I don't know English good. Either way, let's <laughs> <Always> keep going. <laughs> yes, so. The way this game is going to work, it plays like a lot of games over several different phases. So once you've got it all set up and you're ready to go, you will start by placing your Atlanteans. So everyone has a special, as they said, leader that has a special ability. That can be just certain things like get extra resources when you go here or you know, draw extra cards or this person can, even if this place gets flooded, can jump back and still take their action. So lots of different cool stuff there. So when you're placing Atlanteans, there's six different places on the board that you can possibly place them. Three of them are places where you're just going to be trying to get resources. There's resources in this game, like nearly anything. You've got things like uh, wood, metal, mystical energy, like all games that have mystical energy, as you do. And they are the the wild areas on the board. Then there's more of the civilised areas on the board. They are things like the city and the library. And when you go to those places, you can uh, get some special tech cards, which are very helpful throughout the game. You can go to the forge, which is where you can turn some resources into other ones you may need. Or you can go to the cities, where you can get more meeples to use for more actions later on. So you're going to be placing all those meeples on these different sections, saying, I want to go here, I want to go there. But... You don't get to go there straight away because bad things can then happen. And the way they happen is by the way of suffering misfortune, which is where Atlantis essentially just starts to implode on itself. Now, the most basic misfortune is where bits of the island just start to sink. And that's going to happen quite often. But however, (laughs) other things can happen as well. There are other cards that can come out that say, you can't get this kind of resource this turn or something to that effect and it affects the way that you're going to do it. So hopefully you survive all that and then once that's done, then you get to take all your actions. Once you do that, you take all your actions. Then again, you have to endure the wrath of the gods because the gods are also mad about Atlantis and they're going to send wild storms to flood you even more. So more things will flood, but hopefully if you go through all the rest of it and collect enough things, you can throughout the turns build up that special gate in the middle of the table and you do so by collecting different resources and it unlocks new areas you can go to and eventually you'll get to that gate in the middle throw heaps of resources at it get your people in there and get out and win that is atlantis rising in a nutshell
3: excellent
0: tarrant how did he do
3: he did well that was basically the rules Yay.
2: Yay! Well done. I Maybe did. we should recruit more rules yeah. explanation. Explainer? Explainator? <laughs> explainer <laughs> yes. But it's not
1: just as simple as you put you guys there. If you survive the bad cards that come out, you get to do the actions because it's not that simple because why would it be? What happens is that you get the chance to complete the action because this game does have a little bit of strategy but as well as luck because you're going to be rolling dice to see if you get these various resources. But the cool thing about this game is that the further out you are from the centre of the island, it's easier to get resources. You need to get lower numbers or there's more numbers available on the dice to get these resources. And the closer you go
0: in, it makes it easier. But those places, you know, might not flood as much. Yes, exactly right. Well, on that note, we need to talk about this board because there's rectangular boards, there's square boards, there's circular boards, but there aren't many six legged octopus shaped boards which is kind of the shape of this one it's like a maybe a six-legged starfish or something really isn't it it's yes it's odd looking when you see it on the table but it serves a bit of a purpose tarrant what do you think
3: yeah, not just a six-legged starfish but one made out of 37 separate pieces
2: oh that's individually
3: great individually flipping over each time they flood so it's a jigsaw yeah. puzzle in a game in one
0: so that's the first part of the game is it is just putting it together successfully
3: Yes. Pretty much. It hey, doesn't I take did that. that
1: long. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't take very long. But, like I said, it's a cool thing that you can kind of go, well, I can go on the further edges and have a better chance of getting these resources, but those areas might flood before I even get a chance to do my action. So, it's a bit of a crapshot, bit of a strategy, how you're going to do it, as well as working with the different abilities that you've had access to. But again, well, it's a good co op, so it invites lots of talking between each other. So, um, you guys have played this with just the two of you, or have you played this with other human folk as well?
3: Uh, just with the two of us.
2: That was my next statement as well. We only play with two, so there's this variant where we swap around the power.
3: Yeah, you get an extra leader and an extra couple of meeples, I think, Yeah. in the two-player mode. You would have played two-player as well.
1: Uh, we played two of us, but we just subbed in a third character, so we didn't have to use variant rules because I knew I was going to talk about it and I didn't really want to talk about a game that I've only played the variant rules of. So we each kind of just took control of a third. We might have even played with four characters the second time around, but we just had control of two each. And, yeah, and it was really good. And also there's a solo mode as well, which, eh, but I'm sure somebody out there enjoyed it. I
0: might get to it. Who knows?
1: Uh, No, you probably (laughs) did not So, yeah, and like I said, there's various cool things you can do. Like you can collect that mystic energy and you can use that throughout the game to do things like you can raise the pips on your dice. You can use it if you get through a few of them to stop some of the flooding you can even reverse some of the flooding by raising certain sections of Atlantis that's Atlantis rising there
0: Garth you can raise certain bits (laughs) back up you see because yeah basically (laughs) you're you're trying to keep Atlantis afloat while trying to build a stargate essentially to you know is it save the all the Atlanteans before Atlantis collapses down into the the murky depths below
1: yes as many of them as you possibly can even though some of them kind of do fall to the waves on the way. But, you know, you can't save everybody. It happens.
0: (laughs) Correct. So, I mean, look, having not played this game, I'll put my expert opinion on it. You've got three arms of this starfish that are kind of the safer or, sorry, more consistent choices. You've got, you know, the basic minerals and the library to get some cards and somewhere else to do some things. And then you've got the three wild areas where you're getting the actions that are a little bit more varied i guess and as you said leon as you as you're going further down the arms of this particular island the chance of getting something good is diminished because you've got to roll higher numbers on the die Mm. but you've got the risk of flooding which is really quite bad but you don't lose those workers the workers kind of just magically sort of return back to your supply is that right They can swim I mean, like any okay. good Atlanteans. Atlanteans. Yeah. I haven't developed
1: the gills yet, but they can swim. So they will come back to you, which is a cool thing. So you don't lose them forever. And as I said, you can go to the cities and get various other um, kind of meeples as you go about it.
0: Yeah, because look, when I when I did my half-assed research on this, I basically drew some comparisons with like Forbidden Island and went, okay, yeah. without even looking at this game, just reading the back of the box and, and not even boring about gameplay because I don't need to do that. This yeah. sounds like, Atlantis Forbidden Island style. You're trying to keep something afloat. You're trying to achieve some goals before it all turns really, really bad. You're working together really cooperatively because again, in, in Atlantis Rising, you, you might need to send two meeples to do a particular action, but they don't have to be your meeples. They've just got to be two of the, the fellow players there. So mm. is that comparison valid, this between, you know, Forbidden Island and, and Atlantis Rising? I mean, it's pretty much the perfect comparison,
1: which I don't really want to give you because you haven't played that. So, <laughs> However, you are right. If Forbidden Island was, say, winning the Spiel de Jahres, then Atlantis Rising is winning the Kenner Spiel because it is, it is just advanced Forbidden Island, which is a good thing because Forbidden Island is an absolute belting um, cooperative game, even though it's relatively light. It's a game I've played with adults and children alike so this is kind of the next step up from there what do you two think
3: um <clears throat> i think for me the i like i like co-ops and yeah i was sort of thinking about something i tend not to like th- as much in co-ops is when i have to roll dice mm-hmm. um and i mean to say when i put it that way it's this very sort of blunt statement that doesn't hold a lot of um, doesn't hold a lot of weight but when I was sort of thinking about it I guess where this is different to Forbidden Island or Pandemic or games like that is where the luck is and I think that's that's what I have with dice in co-ops I think you can have luck in a co-op game in terms of what the game does to you which this has and that's like where you draw the cards up and it tells you what's going to flood. It's the equivalent of like what city gets infected in pandemic and things like that. But then this game also has the luck of what I'm doing back to the game. The fact that you're putting the meeples out and then you're rolling the dice to see whether it's successful or not. Um, I think I just like control and I like puzzly, puzzly co-ops where I have control. Yeah, this so... is
2: where you can mitigate as well, though. You can spend your... Uh, what's that resource called? I can't remember. The, mystical, the
1: mystical energy.
2: Thank you, to actually mitigate the dice, and you can, you know, try to go inner, get less resources, but not get, you know, yeah. swiped out of the with the wave. Yeah,
3: yeah. And I think all co-ops that have dice like that, um, they'll all have some sort of mitigation. Like Ghost Stories has the powers where you can pick up the. Um, things and you can make that happen and this has the dice rolls and um, 7th Continent has drawing extra cards to try to have a better chance of success Um, it's still, I still like the control, I Mm -hmm. prefer co-ops where the action I take will definitely work
2: Yeah, okay, Mm -hmm. 7th Continent is not always possible, you you know, we fail as well, so this has got kind of like similar thing in a way
3: yeah, it's all a matter of preference. It doesn't make it a poor game, um, yes. but I, I definitely do like the control in
2: my cult. So you're saying that this is, lets you not having as much control as some others? Yeah. Okay, I well, don't actually feel that way. There um, are d-
1: there are dice, so there's bound yes. to be a slightly less control, but um, the comparison you made with um, Ghost Stories is also very um, apt because it's very similar to that as well, which is not a bad thing because Ghost Stories is horse.
2: Awesome. <laughs> yes, it's very hard. <laughs> Hell
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, um, yeah, no, um, I'll go into what I think one of the final thoughts were. I actually played this about two days after I played Spirit Island. So me and my wife, the games we played in lockdown were um, advanced co-op jungle survival type games. Just so, <laughs> happened to be. so we've got that down pat, that's for sure. Um, we played them both kind of like I said, within a few days and we both really enjoyed them for various different reasons. Uh, Spirit Island is obviously a little bit longer and a little bit more harder, but I could also I could almost say that that's almost a step up from this game. Well, if you need your fix,
0: Leon, I know there's a there's a live playthrough video on on some YouTube channel I've heard about. Is that right, uh... guys?
2: Oh, I don't know. I heard so. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's been like 595 videos. We can't remember every single <laughs> video, right? <laughs> We're
1: stealing our lines now, guys. <laughs> uh, but yes, no, um, I yeah, I really enjoyed this game because um, as mm-hmm. I said, there is some dice rolling, but I think you can mitigate that pretty strongly with yes. the different abilities and stuff that you have and unlocking more abilities as you go about um mm-hmm. in, in the center of the board. And you can choose mm-hmm. what order you unlock them. Some of them, I want to unlock this new section we can send workers to early. Because down the line, it's going to help us with X, Y, and Z. So you've got so much different strategy. And like with any game these days, there's a lot of variability in the player powers. So there's lots of different stuff you can do. So overall, yeah, no, I was really happy with it.
2: I must say, I now have to mention that the components are amazing. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I don't remember if this is the Deluxe Edition or not, but I know that Elf Crick Games... They wanted focus on their components, the artwork, and um, as they say, I, I met them I think at Pax Unplugged in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. last mm-hmm. December. and this is what they want to do. This is the second game. I can't remember what it's called, but the components in this one it's, it's really detailed. It's really good. Uh, do you remember the: um...
3: It had the detail, like the mineral pieces were very yes. detailed. It had big chunky dice. Yes. Um, had a little holographic meeples. Mm. So it had yeah a lot of um, yeah a lot of focus on good components there.
1: Yeah, you essentially couldn't do a deluxe version of this game because just this version is the deluxe version. Like I said, component wise it is. Yeah. And art wise, it's pretty much ten on ten. I don't know what you could possibly do better. And from a yeah. actually to put a monetary value on it, like in Australia, I think my copy cost me. It took like 80 or 90 bucks and Ooh. this is, I think that's completely reasonable for the quality and what was in oh, this yeah. compared to like some other games that I've got that are over 100 that don't have the replayability and that don't look like this.
3: Yeah, the, the only step up would be, you know, one of those $300 marble carved chess set style versions of Atlantis yeah. Rising. <laughs> but yeah, let's,
1: let's not worry about that. Garth, what do, what do you <laughs> think about the game that you haven't
0: played? I, th- I thought the box was a good size. I th- Lovely. I thought the 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 art looked good because Vincent, like after Ian, is is a pretty good drawer. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, I
0: just I just have a, a massive problem with the name because, yeah, I, I think maybe stop Atlantis from sinking is probably a more exciting title. Oh uh, yeah, it's stop Atlantis from
1: sinking. That yeah. rolls right <laughs> off the tongue.
0: Atlantis <laughs> buoyant. Yeah, exactly. Atlantis floating. Yes.
2: Would you pick up this game from the shelf? If you see it sitting on the shelf on a board game shop, oh, Atlantis Rising, not Atlantis Sinking, not Atlantis Boyan, would you pick it up?
0: Absolutely. So, look, in all seriousness, because, you know, I haven't played it, I think the theme immediately is obvious. You just have to say Atlantis and you know what the theme's going to be. There's going to be mythology. You're presumably going to be dealing with the natural elements as well as, as mythological elements. And that theme is immediately enticing to me. I I find that intriguing. When you look at the back of it and you see the weird shaped board, I'm drawn into that because again, it's not just a rectangle. So that's cool. Um, I don't know what the price point is, but you know, a co-op is always going to be attractive for a lot of gamers. You're always got to be a bit worried about the alpha gaming aspect to this. And again, I don't know about that. I'm a bit leery about games that say one to seven players but maybe that's just because it can play up to 7 and you know why not just have 1 or 2 if it's all cooperative anyway but yeah that would be my concern is playing it at 7 i think that feels like it would be a too long a game for what uh, what the level of complexity is
1: yeah i don't i couldn't even imagine recommending i mean that's what it says on the box so it can be done and i'm sure they've play tested it at some point but yeah i think like, five would even kind of be pushing it. But, yeah, if you can you can have a crack with seven if you want, but I eh, wouldn't, I think, stick with that sweet spot of, like, two to four, like most good co-ops, and you'll be done. So that is Atlantis Rising, a game that we somewhat recommend to fans, maybe, possibly, but definitely check it out. <laughs> just the fact that it looks really cool. Sadly, yes, apparently it is worded wrong and named incorrectly, but, you know... I think that they've done relatively well with it. So we'll be given by some answer. guy who
0: doesn't know what he's talking about, so I don't think yes. it carries much weight. Exactly. <laughs> Unlike so, Atlantis. <laughs> yes.
1: Anyway, so we will be back talking about what our friends from the mainland of Australia have been playing over to Interwebs during this whole lockdown shenanigans. With the Dice Men cometh on Edge Radio 99.3 FM brought to you by LFG Australia. Hello everybody, it's your friendly neighbourhood Leon here. Just a quick break in the action to remind everybody how you can interact with the Dice Men. Of course, we are on all those social medias. So things like your Instagrams, your Facebook, your Twitters. We're on all of them at Dice Men Cometh. You can also email us at thedicemencometh at gmail.com. That's a great way to get in touch with us for things like asking any type of questions but also sponsorship we've been doing that for several years now with various different promotions and ads and you can be involved in that too if you like also if you wish to help the dice man cometh you can get onto itunes and chuck us one of those cheeky five star reviews it helps people from around the world get to listen and we've met some great international listeners because of that so the more you can do that the merrier And, if you would like, we also have our Patreon. You can go over there and chuck us a few bucks, completely up to you. Even if you threw us a dollar a month, you would not notice out of your bank account, but we certainly would. If everybody listening to my voice did that, we would be happy as Larry. And we use that money to good effect. We use it to get to various different conventions all around Australia. It ain't easy getting around this big old country that we have, but we manage and we do it because we want to meet you and play as many games as possible. All... You could jump over to redbubble.com, chuck in the Dice Men Cometh, and have any of our merch with our logo on it. We've got t shirts, we've got hoodies, there are mugs, there are heaps of cool stuff over there. I've got quite a bit of it, and it all looks grand. So, with all that being said, thank you very much for listening and supporting us over the years. We absolutely love doing this show, and hopefully we'll be doing it for a long time to come, and your support is one of the main drivers of that. So feel free to get in touch about anything to do with board gaming or anything whatsoever. But enough of my chit-chat. Back to the action.
0: And there you go. That was another song, possibly, or a Patreon ad by, by somebody, or possibly us, if it was Leon inserting a Patreon ad. Mm. Uh, you're with the Diceman Cometh on Edge Radio, possibly 99.3 FM. It's episode 307 and we are going to switch tack and talk about virtual board gaming because in this isolation time where, unlike Stella and Tarrant, I have no one here who loves board gaming as much as I do. So I have to find anybody who will want to play and those people are usually far, far, far away you guys are lucky enough to have each other in your own house, but yet you still choose to jump online. Is that right?
2: That's correct. It's that's because we have our board game group that we still continue playing now online. Yeah, which is great. Very exciting.
0: Excellent. So, what do, what platforms are you using?
2: Tabletopia mainly. Mm-hmm. There is we do a bit of a tabletop simulator as well because there's a bit different varieties of the games but tabletopia is the one that we've been playing with our normal gaming group i'll tell you about tabletopia a little bit at the start have you played tabletopia by the way yeah we have yes Uh, Leon as well. garth
1: much more than me but yes i have dabbled
2: yep and tabletop simulator yep okay
0: garth much more than me but i have dabbled (laughs) leon look it must be said we've got it we've got to get this out of the way first (laughs) Leon is a simple person. Yes. Leon yeah. likes the rule mechanics and just follows them. So, board game arena, for example, where you can't make an illegal move. He mm. doesn't like the sandbox style where he has to use his brain to figure out what's the best move, and <laughs> so on. Yeah, it was a board game arena. Yeah, I've, I've played. You've played more than me, but I've dabbled. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, Leon's just going to be on mute for the next little while while we talk about Tabletopia.
1: When you listening well, intently, maybe they will change my mind.
2: <laughs> well, thanks for sharing the dabbling, Liam. Mm. Now, <laughs> Tabletopia is the main one that I use. I feel like if you're used to Tabletopia and you're kind of like, okay, I just want to keep Tabletopia. If you start with Tabletop Simulator, you want to start that. Both Tabletopia and Tabletop Simulator has got that more tactile feelings of playing actual board game rather than the board game arena. But on the other side of that is that you it might be awkward putting the pieces on your table and that sort of thing. The first few times we played Tabletopia, we did not enjoy it, enjoy it as much as we do today because we have not learned the keys, the shortcut keys that we, sh- we need to know that make this whole experience so much better. Don't you agree, Tara?
3: Yeah, I'm a I'm a big keystroke user in general, mm-hmm. um, and without knowing those, uh, it was it was pretty tough. But we got there in the end. It's um, it's been pretty smooth. I also struggled the first couple times we played just because I was on the wrong table. I came oh. out to the kitchen table, and it's just not ergonomically where I should be using a computer and it's important.
2: I think um, also another reason because as I say earlier, 10 plus hours working a day and most of them on computer editing, social media, my right hand, my right hand, my mouse hand is usually sore by the end of the day.
3: Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Playing tabletopia after that, but I found a better mouse. I swapped my hands left and right. So I'm using both hands to edit videos and now You know, the whole experience is better. So, yeah, we've been playing Tabletopia on mostly the games that we have, the actual board games um, with our friends, but also the games that are not accessible to us yet or, you know, the games now publishers are looking more and more into having the games on Tabletopia, which is great. The other day we played Tawantinsuyu. I don't know if you heard heard of it. This is a new David Terchi game from Board and Dice they approach us hey we've got this on tabletop yeah do you want to play yes <laughs> um and there's another one as well mandala Stones.
3: yep uh same company and yes. then there's um and then there was victim by hexahouse which has just been on kickstarter yes uh which we mm-hmm. recorded um couple of our videos on Tabletopia. Yeah, we're
2: branching to Tabletopia preview videos.
1: Excellent. Ah, Excellent. Well, I would like to know about that victim game because I hovered over backing that a few different times and sadly I think I slightly missed out only because there was so much other stuff at the moment to back.
2: That's (laughs) true. There's always a lot of other stuff. There's always things on Kickstarter. This is a really tough competition for publishers, but, yay for some it's probably one way that they can publish. Anyway, back on tabletop, yeah, and all that.
0: So I wanted to ask, you know, how how do you approach with your regular gaming group? Are they are they sick and tired of being told, okay, this week we're going to learn another new game because it's coming out on Kickstarter? Or as you said, do you find you're leaning much more towards the the tried and true sort of classics that you know your friends in the gaming group have already got on their shelves. So you don't have to go through that learning process again?
3: Uh, we will tend to play new games with them a lot.
2: Because they tend to just say yes to almost whatever <laughs> we throw at the table.
3: Yeah, they're, they're keen to try new things. And most of our nights do start with me talking for an hour about how to how to play it. Um, yeah, I think we, we get... Um, I'm just trying to think of the ratio. I don't know, probably 60-40 or 70-30 new games.
2: Okay. Yeah. We um, have the note, so. campaign still ongoing, unfinished. The scythe campaign, chatterstones finished, yep. Bloom haven't stopped, seven pond <laughs> <tons laughs> stopped. It's very
3: no. tough, it's
1: Gloom definitely, definitely stopped. I never
2: would have thought of it. <laughs> three players. <laughs>
3: <Yep>. <laughs> it is very tough for us to get a uh, campaign finished with more than just the two of us. Yeah. yeah, I, I think look, we,
1: that's, that's the thing with nearly everybody these days. Uh, there's so many games that come out either on Kickstarter or they're coming out soon. i look at it and go, I'm interested in that. Even with, um, you know, with a Spiel des Dice, like King's Dilemma, I look at it and go, I'd like to play that campaign. And then just my interest just falls flat completely because I just I ain't got time for that.
2: <laughs> yes, a lot of time. Look, our pandemic legacy season two is just sitting on the shelf still. We finished number one. But uh, we we are one. still
0: stuck at November season one <laughs> after about three or four years. Yeah. yeah. It's quite a I while. don't think it'll get finished. And you so can't have, finish. So have you got any tips for you know people who are just going, finally, I want to go on to some online board gaming and want to go on to Tabletopia? Because, yeah, I, I 100% agree with you. That first experience is not fun. It's work. You've really got to make sure you get your key binds figured out or you get your camera angles sorted out. And and my advice to, to new tabletopians is start with the simplest possible game. We started with Santorini, just something that was really mechanically simple. All you're really doing is moving around your little figurine or building the, the buildings. That's it. You don't want to go straight into, I don't know, a Tia Tewakan or a Brass or anything where there's a million moving bits and pieces.
2: no. What was what was our first one? I can't remember. It was quite awkward. I can't cannot remember for the life mm. of me.
0: Yeah, I think it requires a little bit bit of planning, as you, as you've said, Tarrant. Just you know, otherwise you're going to sit there and not know what to do, and people are going to get frustrated because they can't figure it out, and then it's like, eh, game over.
2: I remember it now, Everdale.
0: Oh, okay. Yep. Mm.
2: Yes, that was a bit awkward because we didn't know how to flip. We didn't know how to. Grab a few components (laughs) all at once. We did not have to set the the camera setting automatically, uh, which is really handy. I would totally recommend. Which is my tip to set the camera angle so you can press the key one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and to go directly to it rather than like awkwardly moving the mouse.
3: Yep, and locking components to the table with the letter L. Oh, yeah. uh, that's the other tip. Camera angles and locking. Sounds that's like you
0: tip. need to do a video re- like how to play Tabletopia. Mm. I think
2: someone has done it. Mm. Yeah, I've <laughs> seen that before. Someone <laughs> else can do, do that one. We've done yeah. five. Oh, you can do it. You guys can do it too. How about that? How <laughs> well, do you you Leon like to, to do it? it? Yeah. 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 No, no, yeah. I no.
1: Can, I, can, I can talk <laughs> about it in, a, in an audio sense like right now when I say probably not going to do that. But yeah, <laughs> someone else
0: can do the video. That's for That's for like proper people that like
1: actually want to, you know,
0: do well. All <laughs> right, Leon, well, I think we have taken up enough of Meeple University's time, don't you think?
1: I believe we possibly have. I think we've all got to go and snuggle up in a corner somewhere. Excellent. <laughs> so us, I do, but just I do have,
0: have one final question to, to finish this off with yes. because we've just spent at least an hour or so with you. I just want to check, does spending this amount of time entitle me to a degree from the Meeple University?
2: Well, I think for now... You, because you're such a nice you, you are such nice people, you can be graduated from MIPU University. Have that. <laughs> there
0: you go.
2: Look at me, Mum. I finally did it.
1: <laughs> I diploma. finally made something of myself.
2: Diploma. T- tar- not, t- a dec- just not a
1: degree. Fight. Not
0: a diploma. Oh, <laughs> God
3: damn it. <laughs> We've got anyway, to have standards. It's good enough. <laughs> oh,
0: wow. There we That's... go. So, look, that was Big Shot Tarrant and medium shot Stella uh, <laughs> yes. from Meeple University. So, look, um, we obviously have to let you do your shout-outs to your respective website, socials, and so on and so on. So who wants to go and um, do all this self-promotion? I'm going to assume, hmm, maybe Stella? Yeah, something <laughs> tells me.
2: <laughs> I think Taryn just, like, screaming that he wants to do it. Come on, Taryn, <laughs> you can do it.
3: I will definitely get them wrong.
2: Get yeah, what wrong?
3: <laughs> All the accounts are slightly different.
2: What are you talking yeah. about? Oh what yeah, okay. U,
3: yes, yes, sorry. U All right. The U. main U. one
2: on YouTube. Basically YouTube do- YouTube.com slash nipple university yep. or mippleuniversity.com, which is our website, which is very active. I post every single videos there. And there's Twitter, which is Mipple There's Facebook mipleuniversity. University. And that's Instagram, Meeple underscore university.
0: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and if that's all too complicated, just check us out at, at Men Cometh on everything. And we'll have a link to Meeple University. Because <laughs> uh, we need exactly. to do I'll that. Google it. Yeah, exactly. absolutely. Google So
2: look, uh, but, thanks
0: so much, Stella. Thanks so much, Taryn. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. Buddy. Thanks
2: for having us, guys. That was really, you guys are really fun to talk to. And very entertaining.
0: Well, we probably won't get to see you guys in the
1: flesh this year, sadly. Maybe, uh, maybe packs, maybe, but I doubt
2: it. I doubt it. I doubt everything's yeah. going to happen. I mean, our wedding's yeah. probably, don't know if it's going, I don't know, uh, going ahead. Oh, was that
0: assuming like we were that. going to get invites? Woo-hoo!
2: <laughs> it's going to be an online wedding. <laughs> Excellent.
0: You should host it on Tabletopia. That way, Leon has to come.
2: Well, I, st- actually... I still
0: wouldn't. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes.
2: Uh, very anyway, fun. Thank you so much.
1: Yes, no worries. You are more than welcome. I'm sure we'll probably have you on again at some point in the future. Now, before we go, Garthy Boy, we do need to mention that, of course, we have some fl- form of competition going on at the moment. You're gonna to have to check our social media because I probably don't even know myself which one we're going to be doing when we put this episode out in about a fortnight's time.
0: But Yeah, I think we will have drawn the LFG one by now. So congratulations yes. to mm-hmm. bah, 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 yes. for winning the $100 LFG voucher. Leon, can you insert the name of the winner? Seeing as we're no. recording this before the competition has, has ended.
1: Um,
0: Possibly. <laughs> and yeah, I'll, um, I'll have to find another one of our uh, games that we were donated for a competition and we will be giving away wah, 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 wah. So make yes. sure you enter somehow.
1: Yes, indeed. Check all our socials as always for your entries or just to say hello. We like to talk to people. That's the thing. Other than that, I'm just sitting here talking to Garth most of the time, which can get frustrating after 300 odd episodes. But this has been episode 307 with Meeple University and my good friend Garth. So
0: we will say toodaloo for yet another fortnight. So toodaloo, Garth. Toodaloo, Leon. And toodle and toodaloo to (laughs) Tarrant and Stella from Meeple University. Thanks and good night. Good night. Indeed. Hi. Toodle-oo to everybody. You've been listening to another episode of the Dice Men Cometh, proudly brought to you by LFG Australia. Be sure to check out lfg-oz.com.au for all the details of their flagship events, LFG Sydney and LFG SN Unplugged, as well as their online and physical retail store. You can find us at dicemencometh.com or on Instagram, Facebook or
2: Twitter. And don't forget, you can support us on Patreon too. Thanks for listening.